Welcome back, everybody, to Pause and Press Play. I am so excited to be here with you guys for another dope episode. Um, This season, we are talking about the Black experience, and y'all, we are just getting started. Literally, we're just getting started into this thing. Um, It's been such a dope experience thus far. It's been really cool making this content. Um... And just being able to be in a safe place and and a space to be transparent and vulnerable is everything. So for those that are just tuning in, my name is Kyla. I am the CEO and founder, Pause and Press Play, Kyla Nicole LLC. I hope you guys are following me. For those of you that are returning to me, thank you so much for your support and your love. It is beyond appreciated. Um, I hear your comments. I read your emails. Um, I get the text messages, so thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are incredible humans. So, without further ado, this brings me to my podcast episode for today. Of course, just being black, right? So, this one was interesting for me to even gather a title, and so maybe I'll surprise us all once it's done. But I really wanted to have a conversation about the struggle of womanhood, right? And the struggle of womanhood while being black. Because we know, as we've said before, there's a different type of struggle that's on the black woman. It's not the same. And of course, I feel like that because I'm black. But there may be other people that listen to this podcast and they may be like, oh, but I got a struggle too. Or it's different for me as well. And I will agree. I don't know everybody's struggle. I just know what I hear. I just know what I see. Um, And then I know what I feel, right? So in essence, I think it's important to differentiate that Every ethnicity, every woman has a different type of struggle, right? There's a different type of thing that's happening in their environment, in their household, and within their culture. So I don't say this to minimize those experiences that those people have because ultimately I am about women. However, I'm a black woman, so these conversations are from my perspective. And I always like to put those disclaimers out there because I want to minimize the offense that comes with having these types of conversations. Um, But that is exactly what this podcast is about. This particular episode uh, is truly, truly about my experience with the, you know, being a woman and then being a black woman. Because what I notice is that there's a different type of treatment that I particularly receive. And I receive that treatment from different uh, ethnicities every day, and even in some cases my own, right? But the biggest thing is just being able to comfortably say that there's a difference and for us to admit and for us to understand that there's truth in that statement. 
I think what happens a lot of times is that we will express our feelings, our sentiments for something and, and it's discounted. It's, you know, passed up. It's uh, minimized, almost sort of speak like we're making it up. And so let me, let me just jump into this so we can understand. I don't want to spend the whole episode making disclaimers because y'all know I'll do it. Um, but for me, what I realized and what I noticed here recently, and I won't say here recently, I'll say probably I've become more conscious of it recently, but I always knew that there was just a little difference in how I responded opposed to maybe my fellow sister responded that was not black. Um, in certain situations, you know, you experience this in corporate America, you experience this in your personal relationships, Uh, when you go to restaurants, when you um, are out with your girlfriends, when you're hanging out, enjoying yourselves, and you're in a big old setting, you can always see the stares, you can always see the looks that people have on their face, when you and your girlfriends get a little excited or you and your girlfriends are laughing too loud to someone else's liking or when you're out and about and you're in this high-end store when this is your typical Saturday or your typical Sunday where you're out and about and you're enjoying, you can feel the presence of the discontent and discomfort that other people may have when they see you. When you respond a certain type of way, when your order is wrong, or when you don't exactly like the thing that you thought that you would, or maybe you experience it when you go to your car after you've been talking to someone and you get in it and they're shocked by what you drive, or the appearance that you may have, they're shocked when you open your mouth. These are the types of experiences that I want to speak to because I felt them. And they don't not just make me uncomfortable. They make me feel a way. They make me feel like I have to constantly prove myself. It makes me feel as though I have to constantly be my, reminded of my tone. Um, it makes me conscious that my emotions if they're on 10, I, I have to respond with them on three because otherwise I'll be labeled the angry black woman. Even sometimes in your household, when you're around your family members and you make a response and, and the comment is you're so dramatic, you're so extra, here you go again. These type of comments that are made to us are hurtful and indeed hurtful. I mean, at least they're hurtful to me. And so you'll see snippets and in, in, um, videos of me talking about how I never really felt welcomed. I never really felt invited. I never really felt accepted. And so not only within my culture in some instances, but in many instances outside of my culture. I went to a restaurant, um, I don't know, a couple months back maybe, I love hibachi. I love Mexican. Those are my go-to foods. I'm talking, I could eat them every day and not get sick of them. But this one particular day, um, I went to a restaurant that I frequent often to go, of course, because y'all know we're in the middle of a pandemic and sis is still out here like mm, side-eyeing everything. But I went here and um, 
I've gotten to the habit of checking my food before I leave because I am a person who likes to eat. When my order is wrong, I'm completely devastated, right? So I'm checking my food and I am um, looking for the sauces because the other part of my life is dedicated to I like sauce, y'all. I like to be able to dip and I like to be able to um, just sauce it up, y'all. It's craziness. But anyhow... My order wasn't exactly right. The food was there, but none of the condiments were there. So I politely asked and said, hey, you know, I um, took a look at my bag and I noticed that there are some condiments missing. And the owner, who happens to be a um, Oriental or Asian American, I'm not sure, 100% of his ethnicity. Um, And so I don't want to call him what he's not, but I'm going to assume you know, that he was of that community. And uh, he said, no, they're in there. And I said, yeah, I just checked. um, And it looks like you guys gave me two of these, but you didn't actually give me uh, two of these. And the first thing that he said was, let me see. And that's understandable to a certain extent. Um, As a paying customer, hey, I want to double check that these are here. Okay, fine. You know, as a business owner, Sure, maybe I need to go back and have conversations about whoever packed this, whatever the case is. But it's what happened next that really disturbed me. It's after we discovered that, indeed, I was correct, um, because, of course, we always have this conversation that black women are not necessarily believed. Um, After he verified that it wasn't there, um, he went to the back and he came out with one. (laughs) And um, I said, I asked for two. And he says, I really need to get back to work. And I said, I understand that. However, I asked for two, and I would appreciate it if I could have two. I'm willing to pay extra if I need to. So if that's a thing, you know, if your policy is one, you know, complimentary, and the second or third is a 30-cent charge or 40-cent charge, more than happy to do such. Um, and he went to the back and after about two minutes, he didn't come back out. I sat there and I waited. And so, um, I went to the counter and I said, Hey, you know, I was waiting on another condiment and it hasn't come out yet. It's been a couple minutes. And he said, what'd you ask for? I told him. And so he, you know, yells it to the individual and he comes back out and he says, what more do you want? (laughs) And um, I began to get enraged on the inside because, one, I'm being mistreated as a human being. Two, I'm being mistreated as a paying human being. And three, I don't understand where the breakdown is. At this moment, he's loud enough for the people in the front of the restaurant to notice what's happening. And they begin to look at me. And it was almost though they were looking. You had some that were impartial to wondering, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? And then the others, almost like they are anticipating such a showdown. You know, they're like, oh, snap, it's about to go down. Sis is about to light this joint up. Maybe we should leave. And I'm thinking in my mind, I always am conscious of how I act out in public, you know, because we live in this world where technology is a thing. And I last thing I want to do is end up on World Star. You know, I service 
clients, I have a business, you know, I have children. So I'm always like, dang, yo, like I really want to take it here, but I can't take it here because there could be consequences for myself more so than what I'm experiencing right now. And so his question of what more do you want? I restated my ask. I said, what more do I want? What I would like you to do is the first thing that I asked you to do. And that was to provide me with the two condiments in which I asked for. And because I have already paid for my meal and because you can see the instructions and the request on the receipt as notes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need you to go ahead and give me that. So he gave it to me. That's fine. But I left feeling like, oh, dang, such a great place for me to eat. Now I can't patronize your establishment anymore because I don't spend my money in places where it's not welcomed and I'm not appreciated. I work very, very hard for my money. So regardless of how much it costs, I don't want to just give it to you if you're not, you know, going to think that this is beneficial to you or your service or your establishment, right? But as I went home, I couldn't shake the feeling. I couldn't shake the feeling of the treatment that I had received because that treatment now was comparable to other places that I had gone and experienced the same ordeal. The looks were comparable to other events in my life where I just knew what they were thinking or I just knew how it felt. I mean, come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The idea that as a black woman, not only am I not protected, but that I can't even be myself. And I can't be myself because there's already a stigma about who they think I am to begin with that if they do something or say something, I'm not allowed to vocalize my true feelings about the matter without being labeled or stereotyped. And although we can say it doesn't matter, give them hell, do it. Yeah, sometimes that is the response. But then there is a whole nother side that says, even though that is my response or my thoughts or or where I want to take it, even though I can correct you in the most professional, cordial way, I shouldn't have to. The big deal is that I should not have to. I shouldn't have to experience this and not be able to provide feedback. I shouldn't have to be treated as less than. I shouldn't have to suppress my feelings, my thoughts. I shouldn't have to adjust my temperament because there's nothing wrong with it to begin with. So this world and the society that we live in basically says and teaches that we are the problem, when in the reality of it is that we're not the problem. It's the lack of compassion. It's the systems that have been set before us. It's the issues that arise that nobody addresses or corrects. It's, it's, it's all of the things, the things that we all know exist, the microaggressions, the offenses, the, the you're less than. It's all of those things that make it that much harder to be black in America. I mean, we have problems within our community. We have problems with the other communities. We have problems in our businesses. We have problems with the other businesses. It's very, very difficult sometimes for us to even operate in a space where we feel like we can be safe, which is why it's so important for us as a community to cultivate the experiences and the environments that we all know that we don't want within our places. And what I mean by that is if I know that the treatment for another black woman is going to be difficult for her 
despite what she does, despite what she says, despite how she feels, despite any of the things that's going on, if I know that, I live my life in mind of that to say that I'm not going to duplicate her experiences. I am not going to make her pay for these situations and these circumstances with me because all I can do is be the change that I want to see. But I also feel like if more of us did that, if more of us were conscious about the treatment of one another and we cultivated and created the experiences that we wanted within our community with one another, there would be less of an issue. Because sometimes I truthfully feel as though they look to us and they look at us and they see the treatment that we give to one another in some instances, in some cases, in some platforms. And they say, well, this is the the blueprint of how we should treat them. This is how they um, are engaging with one another, so we'll engage with them as well. I feel like the root of the issue, I mean, now, and I'll say outside of the systems and the oppression and, and those things, because I think that that's a whole different conversation um, because it's real and it does exist and I do get it. However, I'm specifically speaking towards the experiences that we have with one another as it relates to being a woman, a black person. In some cases, whether you're a man or a woman, is that it's up to us to set the trajectory for how we want to be treated. And we do this on our individual um, instances, right? Like if I create the rules for myself, the people that are in my close proximity, this is how I'd like to be treated. This is, you know, how I want to interact with people. If you don't match this energy, you got to go. If you ain't treating me the way that I want to be treated, you got to bounce. Sure, we do that. But I want to talk on a collective higher, you know, thought process is that I ought not only do that with the people that are in my inner circle. I ought to do that even with my associates, even with the people I know. Um, it, it's no different than to me, and, and everybody may not know, but, you know, I'm a Jesus person. I love the Lord. So even in instances where I don't know people, I'm conscious in mind of his principles and how he wants me to behave with the people that he's created, his children, women, men, children. I have a responsibility to act and be the image of God and be Christ-like despite what's being thrown at me. Okay, that's a principle that I live by. Do I always get it? Of course not. Is my goal to get it most of the time? Absolutely. And there are times where I have to adjust and there are times where I miss the mark. And then there are times where I intentionally miss the mark. I'm just going to be honest. But I go back. I try to resolve it. I try to fix it. I try to right my wrongs. I try to do um, those things. And I try to live in mind, minimizing any opportunity to create and cause damage to my fellow brother and sister. Because I already know that there's so much damage that exists in their life. Now, sometimes that works to my benefit. Sometimes it doesn't because ultimately it is true that hurt people do hurt people. And it doesn't matter how amazing I am to you if you're a broken or dysfunctional, toxic individual and that's how you respond and you've not um, unpacked your trauma and you've not healed from those issues. Um, if you've not 
gotten the breakthrough that you need, there's a strong possibility that even if I am nice to you, you may not be nice to me. Fine. I can't change it, right? And I can't allow someone else to change me. However, I can be mindful of that. And I understand that for every piece of a strange behavior that you see in someone else, there's a story that goes with that. There's a reason that they are they the way that they are. But we still have to address it, right? We still have to have that conversation. In the lives of our women, there are so many fears that we have as a black woman or black women um, that we, we really can't do anything about because it's so knee deep in it. The only thing that we can do is control the environment and the settings around us and we can promote and push this empowering feeling that we often want to experience with one another. That's, that's my goal. That's, that's the point of my, my podcast, the point of my personal development with my business is to help people heal from these, these instances in their lives that have made life-altering feelings, moments, perceptions, and stereotypes um, in, in, in individuals' world. It bothers me that even as a black woman in a professional setting with a thousand letters behind my name, that I'm still looked at in a way of how did you get here and you don't belong here. When I was having my son as a black woman, I had a black provider. However, being a high-risk pregnancy, I had to have specialists. Um, those specialists were white people. And it was very difficult for me to go through these appointments and not be heard. There were a ton of moments where I would leave my provider's office um, and I would be in tears because of their words and the things that they would say. Like, when has it ever been acceptable or okay for you to tell another pregnant person that they're just so huge? Do you say that to the other ethnicities that you run into? You know, if I say, well, I'm just not sure, you know, about whatever the medical decision is you're making because I feel like this or this, is it ever appropriate or okay for you to bypass and not acknowledge that? Is it ever appropriate for you to say, well, you know, that's why you're not the doctor? <laughs> These things, these comments that people feel as though they can freely make to us that we often have to squash down and we often have to ignore and we often are left to having to respond with the best way that we can while masking and hiding our internal feelings just so that we don't give you the satisfaction to say, there she is. I knew she was the angry woman. I knew she was going to strike back. I knew those words were going to be toxic. I knew she was going to be able to eat me alive. Because that's what the media teaches them. That's what society teaches them. That's what social media sometimes teaches them. That's what these platforms or these shows that are on television that consistently portray us as the negative, messy women that truly a lot of us are not. And a lot of us find it entertaining and a lot of us feed into it and we continue to make these individuals rich and we continue to um, give them the, the ratings that they need and the buy-ins because we can justify and say, that's entertaining. Or, you know what, girl? She right. I would have did that too. But it's bigger than that. 
Because it's almost as though we're not allowed to be human. It's almost as though because we wear all these capes and we do all the things and we have all the feelings, if we're not simply being entertaining, then what is our purpose? What is our point? And it's one of the reasons why I have a very difficult time personally feeding into or watching certain things or subjecting myself to certain audiences and things of that nature because it, to me, it's a bigger, deeper issue. And what they define as entertaining is very much so um, how they treat us in certain settings, in certain moments. And now I'll say all this that, listen, this ain't everybody, this ain't everything. Um, And even this message may not be for everybody. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with feeling how I feel, saying what I'm saying, having the opinion in which I have. I'm not looking for anybody to jump on the bandwagon or to validate my thoughts. I'm simply sharing my experiences and sharing my thoughts on a particular manner. And I always, you know, y'all going to have these disclaimers. I've probably said them a hundred times by now. But it's important to me because I this is not to take away from anyone, but to expose a truth and a truth that I've endured and a truth that I have had friends endure um, and conversations that I've had the privilege to be a part of and um, individuals that have trusted me with their healing that needs to happen because of things like this. There's nothing worse than a woman having to still function at 150% when inside she's only got about 40 in her because she's been attacked, because she's been hurt, because she's been uh, berated, because she's been belittled, because her self-esteem is is being attacked and her integrity and her confidence and all of these things simply by the things that are being said to her, the, the invalidation that happens from her being her. You know, the risk that she takes in expressing how she feels. And, and this, is, I think, is the outpouring and the outcry that black women have with black men. Because black men have it just as hard. They have a plight that it may be even harder. Because nothing's worse than having a black man that is the provider, that is taking care of things, that is out here doing what he's supposed to be doing. And even in cases when he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, but not being equipped, not being educated, being belittled, being berated, being all of those things, they have a a similar plight, right? It's important for black men and black women to be able to come together and love and protect one another because we have it hard. We have it hard on all of these different facets and all of these different angles. And the best thing that we can do is love one another and protect one another. But that's not what we see. And we don't see that often because of what society is putting out there and what we patronize and what we allow them to do, what we consistently allow them to do. If you are not satisfied by the treatment in which women are experiencing, then you've got to, you've got to go back and check what's on TV, what the music is doing. Uh, what the corporate entities are doing, whatever the big, big areas, education, politics, um, the financial industry, if you're not happy with the treatment that black people experience on a day in and day out basis, you've got to go look to the sources of those things. And you then have to begin to scale back and produce some type of change in your habits and your behaviors and what you patronize and how you do it. And there are people that are out here doing it and big ups to them because it's hard to do. I, you know, don't support mainstream television shows that portray black women in a manner 
that I do not agree with. I just don't. And I don't have anything against people who do. That is their prerogative. That's their choice. Um, and I'm okay with that. But this is why, because I look at it like this. Um, it's the same thing with certain types of music. I do not listen to certain type of music or artists that betray women as being a problem or they're misogynistic or um, they, you know, belittle us or they talk about violence as it relates to us. I don't indulge in that type of music because I don't support it. I don't support it because of this way of thinking. It's no different than my medical providers and institutions and big pharmacy and um, certain political affiliations and people. I just feel as though no matter what color of the skin an individual is, they're a human first. We bleed the same. And I'm going to make sure that I do my part to um, make a dent in it. I'm going to make sure that I have the conversations. I'm going to make sure that I teach my children. I'm going to make sure that I, um, you know, talk to my family, my friends and these things and have these conversations because a lot of it comes down to perspective. A lot of people just don't see it this way. A lot of people like what they like, enjoy what they enjoy, but they understand that it's entertainment and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with basically whatever way that people fall because it's people and people are entitled to do and be how they want. I am concerned about me and what I indulge in. And I have this conversation to merely provide perspective to some of the people who don't see it the way that I see it. You know, a long time ago when we had the entire, you know, R. Kelly and um, things that happened and, and lots of people had a lot of opinions about those things, um, they were concerned or, you know, they, they, you know, we live in a cancel culture, y'all. I ain't going to say that we don't. We live in a cancel culture and from time to time we be looking to cancel folks. Um, but I feel like if you're going to cancel one party, you got to cancel the other party. If, if I essentially am upset with maybe R. Kelly and, and what he's doing and how he's doing it, then essentially I have to be just as angry with some other rap artists that talk about women the way that they do. Um, I have to be upset with some of the news and some of the television shows and some of the um, outlets that are putting this same information out just in a different manner. It, it don't change. You know what I mean? There's just different areas. There's just different targets. There's just different demographics. There's just different perspectives. There's just different ways. But I always caution you guys that are tuning in and are listening. What are you supporting and what are you giving into that perpetuates the stigma and the cycle that, that is a thought about you? Um, we have to be conscious of those things. We have to be conscious of what we say and how we say it and what we do. And I get it because a part of me feels like I shouldn't even have to be. A part of me feels like, why can't I just live my best life and do what I want to do without someone judging me for uh, being this way or calling me a name or saying I'm this and saying I'm that? I think that there has to be a healthy balance in it. I don't think there's anything wrong with you listening to your Migos and watching your housewives and uh, you know, getting your 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 nails and your hair did and uh, turning up with your girlfriends and doing a little swerk dance in the restaurant. I'm totally cool with that because a part of this is being able to enjoy your life and be celebrated and 
be okay with who you are and your identity. I think that it's totally fine. And I wouldn't tell anybody to do anything other than. What I will say is that you have to be conscious. You have to be conscious of it because we're in this business to produce change. We're in this business to set the trajectory for our generations. We're in this world to provide context and purpose and passion and to move our lives forward in every aspect. That's what we're doing. We're changing the game for our kids and their kids. We're changing the game for our family members and our environments. We're changing the game for how they think about us, what they think about us, and and how they think we should behave and what they think we should do. We're changing the game. And so because we're changing the game, we're held to a higher standard. We have a higher responsibility. We have to be accountable and we have to be transparent. And we have to sometimes take the back seat and sacrifice for what we're trying to do down the road around the corner. So yes, there are going to be moments and there are going to be times where, you know what, because I am who I am and I don't want to respond a certain way, I'm going to do this. Because I don't want to be portrayed in this particular manner, I'm going to do this. Because I don't like the way that this establishment treats me or this provider does, I may have to change and move. Because that's the only way that we're really going to be able to put a dent in this idea or this mindset that we are less than and we don't need to be. And you can insert whatever that is in there. Because the only how for me to be able to change the stigmas and the stereotypes is to basically not be this way when you think I'm going to be that way, right? That's what I got to do. Like, I got to be able to go back and say, oh, you know what? I got this. Don't you worry about it. I know you think you know what I'm going to do, but you don't know me. I know you think you know how I'm going to respond, but you don't know me. And I don't owe any of that to you. I can respond the way that I want to respond, but I'm going to respond with that in mind of knowing how was I raised? What are my values? What are my thoughts? That's what I'm going to do because that's important to me. I'm not going to allow someone to change how I view and how I see myself and the responses that I feel like I, you know, am going to give. And I know some of that is like, girl, that's so taxing. (laughs) That's so trying. I really don't feel like doing all of that. And you probably shouldn't. And you probably don't want to. And you probably don't have to. But then what? What if you don't? Like, what if you don't put the pedal to the metal? What if you don't make the adjustments? What if you continue to respond the way that they think you should respond? Then what? And of course, you know, there are groups that say, look, I just ain't for all of that. I'm not going to make this change. I'm not going to do these things. And that's cool. Um, I think that it's all in context. And I think that it provides perspective. And I think that this is where we are and what we are doing right now is really going to depend on the goals and the aspirations that each individual person sets aside. But for me, I'm doing this so that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, my grandkids are hopefully not experiencing the foolishness that I'm experiencing at this very moment in time, right? 
I think ultimately this thing comes down to us asking, what are the experiences that we would like our children to have? How do we shape and mold their futures? Whether, you know, maybe we don't have children, maybe it's our nieces and our nephews, maybe it's the students that we come across, maybe it's the young folks that we're mentoring, maybe it's um, whomever we're connected to or close to that we desire the change to happen, maybe that's it. But we have to ask ourselves, what are we willing to sacrifice to change uh, for down the road around the corner? What are we looking to provide a different perspective about? I absolutely believe that what I'm experiencing and what I'm going through isn't anything new as it relates to experiences. I'm sure that my ancestors went through what I went through, if not worse. And so I'm sure that they're like, "Mm, child, please, like if you having a problem with that, you could just imagine what we endured and what we went through. And I absolutely believe that. But I always circle it back to say that I'm not my ancestors. I'm not going to tolerate what they may want me to particularly tolerate. I'm not going to um, deal with the things that they dealt with. And a part of that is progression. Part of that is change. But then the other part of that is Um, I have more resources and more tools and more knowledge to make the impact. I have more connections and more thoughts um, and power than my ancestors had because of the things that they did, because of the pavement that they made, because of the Um, adversity that they endured and the nose that they set. We have so much power. We have so much knowledge and we're so strong, but we could be stronger together. We could put a dent in a lot of things faster if everybody got on the same page. Um, You know, and and it's hard. Don't get me wrong, it's hard because people come from different backgrounds and different lives and they don't see it this way and they don't understand this manner and, and um, they're focused on themselves and their situations and their their families. So I get it, there's so much to it, y'all. But I feel like we have to start having the conversation that in order for us to have the expectation of treatment to be fantastic towards us is that we have to get that treatment together within us is that we have to begin to look out there and say, okay, how do we dismantle some of these stereotypes and these stigmas? What do we do? Um, If this person's already doing it, I really don't need to do something new. I need to join their bandwagon. If this person is already rocking it out um, and and they need the support, then I need to jump over there and support them. If if this person is, um, you know, has this idea and, They just need someone to get the word out there. How can I contribute to that? All of these different things are going to matter. If we have doctors and lawyers and um, political affiliates and um, leaders out there that are actively like, yo, we are going to dismantle these things in these mountains, then shucks, we as the people have to get behind them. And not spend so much time concerned about who they are, what they're doing, why they're doing it, um, how, how they do it. We have to say, okay, what's the bigger picture? 
And of course, everybody's not going to be for everybody. But y'all, I think one of the biggest things that we have that's working against us that other ethnicities and, and cultures have together is the togetherness. There are other cultures out here that they know that they don't be liking so-and-so and and they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that, but they are going to simply help them and advance them and put them on simply because they look the same. They don't agree with them. They don't like them, but they will give them the money, the promotions, the information, the properties. They'll do that just to keep it in their community. This is an area, y'all, that we got to we got to get better in, that we got to stand up in, that we have to start having the conversations, that we have to start educating and equipping, that we have to be less concerned about self and more concerned about a collective. Because that's where the power is. That's where the money is. That's where the change is. It's there. It's in the inner workings within ourselves, within our communities. And again, there's tons of folks out there doing it. You can um, Google, you can find the local leaders in your community, you can um, begin to interact and, and make those exchanges. I know for me, I serve on my council in my city. You know, I'm a, an elected official. Like, that's that's where it starts, you know. I'm in the school buildings. I am in the town hall meetings. I am on the council, you know, I'm having these conversations. I am um, providing these perspectives. You know, I live in a city that was formed 1838. And this year, we're having our first Juneteenth. Think about that. 1838. It's 2021. We began having conversations about this last year in 2020. So 2020 was the first time that someone said, hey, we're going to celebrate July 4th. We need to celebrate Juneteenth. Like this, this entire city, you know, makes up this amount of percentage of African-American people. I don't understand. Like we got to be able to say that and not be afraid We can't complain about stuff that we tolerate. We can't complain about things that we're not actively putting one foot in front of the other. That may not be a big accomplishment to some, but that's a huge accomplishment for the city that I'm in because guess what? It's one step closer. Is it going to change all the stuff? No. Does it make you sometimes feel like they're just giving you something to shut you up and pacify you? Probably. But guess what? I can't be concerned about all of that. Because at the end of the day, you're going to see us and hear us regardless of whether or not you want to or you don't. Because we are here. We are loud. We are making a dent. We are making progress. And we're doing the thing. So y'all either going to fall in line or you're not. Because we darn sure aren't going to let up. That's our mindset. We just need to have that mindset with one another. So y'all, I've given a whole lot on this podcast episode, it was probably heavy. It probably might have pissed some people off. It may or may not. Um, I'm sure I will know based on y'all's feedback. (laughs) But it's just a thought. It's just an idea. And it's just sharing my experience, as I said. So until next time, I hope that you don't forget to pause and press play. But think about some of the questions that um, I said. Think about some of the feelings that came up when I said what I said. 
Think about how you can make the impact and the change in your world, in your community, in your children's schools, in your nieces and nephews' environments. Like, What can you do collectively to make the experience better for the people that you look at that are underneath you every day? Think about that. So until next time, guys, don't forget to pause and press play. Until next time, don't forget to tune in and pause and press play.